Paul begins the letter to the Philippians, he writes these words. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our King Jesus, our Lord. So this morning, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our King Jesus. Our conviction comes out of what Paul wrote. The one who began a good work in you, in all of us, the you there is plural, the one who began a good work in y'all, he'll finish it. By the day that Jesus returns, he will finish that good work. And so that's where I really, you know, just ask you to share. And, and it, 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 there's a variety of ways I mean, God is busy, I believe, in all of our lives. So it could be something small. It could be something huge. It could be something that's being set right. That could be something physical. It could be emotional. It could be mental. It could be spiritual. Jesus' life and ministry is full of ways of God beginning good works in people's lives. It could be something private. It could be something public. It could be, it could be something that's very local. It could be something global. Our God works in this way. He works from good to better to best. That is the flow of God working in all of our lives. Good to better to best. I know at times we get stuck in the good. And we think, well, it's never going to get better. But he who began this good work in us, he will complete it. So he moves it from the good to the better. Then we kind of settle into the better. And then we wonder, I wonder if it's ever going to get to the next level. Again, it's not really dependent upon us other than we trust that he who began his good work in us, he will finish everything that he starts in our lives. He will finish. Now, one thing we can do is that we can be in partnership together with what God is doing and we can pray towards what God is doing in moving us from good to better to best. That's what we discover in Philippians chapter 1. Let's start with partnership, a partnership in the good news. Paul writing to a community in Philippi says, every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. Each exclamation is a trigger to prayer. I find myself praying for you with a glad heart. I'm so pleased that you have continued on in this with us, believing, proclaiming God's message from the day you heard it right up to the present. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. It's not at all fanciful for me to think this way about you. My prayers and hopes have deep roots in reality. You have, after all, stuck with me all the way from the time I was thrown in jail put on trial and came out of it in one piece. All along, you have experienced with me the most generous help from God. He knows how much I love and miss you all these days. Sometimes I think I feel as strongly about you as Jesus Christ does. 
So Paul is recounting. We have this partnership together. Paul as a church planter. The Philippians as the church planted. We've got this partnership. And from the very first day, and he's thinking back, that first day when Paul and his companions showed up in Philippi after an angel communicated to him, go, you're going to go from Asia over to Europe. Go over there. Go to Macedonia. There's somebody crying out. So they go to Philippi. And Paul and his companions went to this place where they found women in a prayer meeting along the banks of a river outside of Philippi. And among that group of women was a woman from Asia Minor. Her name was Lydia. She was a God-fearing woman. And this, this is just such, this is from the beginning. This is what happened in this partnership. As she was listening with intensity to what was being said, the master Jesus gave her a trusting heart. Wow. He who began a good work in you, Lydia, by giving you a trusting heart, will see it to the end. From that day until now, and now we've got Paul sitting in a prison cell. He says, you have me on your hearts while I'm in prison again. He was in prison in Philippi. He was released from prison by an earthquake. But he's in prison again, again for announcing the kingdom of God. But as he, as he reflects upon from then till now, we, we, we remain partners in grace. The grace of God just keeps being poured out into our lives. And, and he's just, long, I'm longing for this reunion. Like out of the gut. I mean, that's like out of the entails. That's the seat of emotions in, in the Bible. I just ache with the very affections of Jesus for reunion. That's the kind of partnership that was forged between Paul and this local church. And it's that partnership, I believe, that really kept fanning the, fanning into flame for everybody. Hey, God, God has started something new on the earth. God has started a good work in everybody's life, and he's going to finish it. I'm sure Paul had moments of thinking, oh, man, I'm never going to make it. I'm in another prison, or I'm beat up again, or the opposition is too great. Or the Philippians could say, well, gosh, the guy that, our founder, he's in prison. What are we going to do now? So this partnership, this communication with one another kept that hope alive. He who began this good work in you will finish it. But also, it's this prayer. He goes on in Philippians 1. This is my prayer. This is what I'm praying. That your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but you will love well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not just sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. In that prayer, there are several prayer points, just things to underline. And the first one is, love increases more and more. I know 
that when we, when we gather together and we, we sing these songs of worship, a lot of the songs we sing are about this love connection that we have with Jesus. That, that's a great connection. I know that as we come together as a community and we, we share snacks and visits in our lives, there's a love between us. I know that as husband and wife, there's love. As parents and children, there's love. Between friends, there's love. I mean, love is a big thing in all of our lives. But that love is a love that can increase more and more and more and more. And what Paul is really saying, and he's encouraging all of us, it's not just that love needs to, it needs to increase as the, like this intellectual ascent. But I know that most people that I know struggle. One, does God really love us? I mean, that thought goes through our head. The other is, does God really love me? Because I'm not really very lovable. Most of us have this mental battle. I went to the ordination of a friend yesterday. He, he took a year struggling with that question. He was asked to be a deacon. And it took him a year to resolve the question, does God really love me so that I can serve within the church? So I know all of us struggle somewhere with this, this intellectual battle this intellectual perception. Does God really love us? Am I really lovable? Would these things be happening in the world if God loved the world? We all, it's all there. What Paul is saying is, as we keep moving on and God is doing this good work in us and not, he's going to show us more and more layers of love that will answer our questions. And then as he answers our questions, He's saying not only will it be this mental thing, it's going to now explode in your emotions. Love increased again and again. A clearer perception of love then begins to break into our emotions where we are just overwhelmed. I now, I, it's not like I just know God, I feel God's love. God loves me. I know God loves me. He just overwhelms my circuitry, all of my emotion. God loves me. And I love God. And once that starts going off, guess what happens? Then we begin to love one another. I remember having an experience of, of being I'm just over, I'm just in some way, just being overwhelmed by God's love. Stephen, come here for a minute. And uh, it just it resulted in me praying for a friend. So again, my perception is growing, increasing about God loving me, me loving God. I'm beginning to experience love. And then I was going to pray for a friend. As soon as I put my hand on that friend, I was overwhelmed. I mean, to the point of tears and not being able to speak of my love for this friend. You see, when we love God and we receive that love and we love ourselves it then begins to spill over in our love for one another. That didn't happen right now, but I really still love you. <laughs> and then it doesn't stop there. Because as love increases in our life, God is doing a good work in us. And he's not going to stop. So love is increasing mentally, emotionally. And it begins to, we begin to love each other in better ways. Guess what then happens? 
Then we begin to love the people that are going up and down our streets, the people that are in the news, the people that are in the far nations. We begin to love people. God's doing his work, this good work that he started in us. You see, love increases more and more. And as that love increases more and more, Paul says that leads to discovering the things that really matter. As we mature intellectually and emotionally in the love of God, we begin to discover the things that really matter. You and I have to make decisions every day. The first one is, am I going to get up? I hear Amber's alarm a lot. <laughs> we got we to, you know... Okay, is it, it, I gotta, is it gonna really be good that I get up now or should I just get up later? You know, and then it drifts to, you know, these, you know, all of you that are on the seven diet, it's just been comical around our house watching <laughs> how seven things, I mean, it's just amazing to me. It's just amazing. But you got, you've got, you know, you gotta just, what really matters here? You're sorting that out in my diet. What really matters? It moves to, Take off in our car, discover what really matters, you know. It really matters that I obey the law. I mean, that really matters. I mean, it just, <laughs> it matters in the classroom. It matters where we work. It matters with our family. It matters with what we read. I mean, we are, we are constantly trying to discover what really matters. What do I really need to do with this day, with this hour, with this job, with this information? Well, Paul's connecting that with this love that increases in our life. So as love increases, it then allows us to discern what really does matter in my life. What really matters in the life of my family? What really matters in the place of the work, the school that I go to? What really matters in a community of believers? All of that goes back to a love that's increasing, a God that has begun a good work in us, and he will finish it. So love increases more and more, leading to discovery of the things that really matter, which then begins to affect the way that we live. Living an unmixed and inoffensive life, free from the worry of condemnation. As I know that God loves me, and I love God, and I love God's people, and I love the people on this planet, as I begin to discover what really matters and I begin to live that out, it begins to affect my life in that my life becomes more sincere. The way I live my life grows in its sincerity and it grows in its ability to stay the course and not be mixed up in so many different things. And somehow something begins to happen in my life that, that the way I live is not offensive to people and I don't have to worry about someday I'm going to have to answer to Jesus because I begin to live in this life free from the condemnation that I have of judgment it all goes back to a love that's increasing more and more in our lives because there's a God that's begun a good work in us and he's not going to stop until he finishes it 
And in that life that is unmixed and inoffensive, we begin to bear the fruit of right living. Now, interestingly, that righteousness that Paul is talking about, he's really saying that righteousness, that fruitfulness, that life that really is doing things that result in that which is good in God's eyes, that can't be lived without connection to Jesus. It's really Jesus's right living that becomes our right living. So there comes a point where we say, Jesus, I've been trying to do the right thing. And he says, well, stop trying to do the right thing and just connect with me. Let me do the right thing through you. Until we start letting Jesus do the right things through us, we're going to be really frustrated. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is really this request, the nuance, Jesus, do through me what you want. The community prayers do through us what you want. You see, if Jesus does through me or Jesus does through us what he wants, then it's right. It's righteousness. If we just decide, hey, this is what we're going to do, We think it's right. More often than not, it's not in his eyes. And it might be something good, but it's not something that really is of his righteousness. Then all of that just tumbles down to the very end, bringing glory and praise to God Almighty. (laughs) So the God who has begun this good work in us will complete it, and the end result is he gets the glory, he gets the praise for what he's doing in our lives. A love that increases more and more. A discovery of the things that really matter. A life that becomes unmixed and inoffensive, free from the worry of condemnation. A life that bears the fruit of the righteousness of Jesus. A life that brings glory and praise. God Almighty. Is God at work in each of our lives, in all of our lives, completing a good work? The answer is yes. The way that we can get the most out of that is that we can remain in partnership with others that keep inviting Jesus to do that work in us and engage in prayer. So what I would like to suggest this morning, the way that you and I can live this out is to keep the prayer points right there and that we can get together in in family units of three. So three families, people representing three families get together. Two of those families pray for one family And pray this prayer. It would be something like, Father, I ask that that love would increase more and more for the Dotson family. Okay? You just go down that. We need to activate this prayer for each other. Because we really want this good work that's begun in us to stay on track. All right? So in our kingdom time, that's what I'd like us to do. So let's, uh, let's just kind of kind of get in clusters of three families. You can stand, you can sit all the way around the room, and then we'll begin to pray for each other, okay?